Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Pronto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how are you? I'm tired, Nick, <laughs> but I'm here. Uh, okay. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Just fine. Uh, I've seen a few movies this week, and I know you've seen at least one. Let's say what they are. <laughs> okay, you first. Uh, so I watched three movies this week. Uh, I watched a documentary from PBS called A Year in Space. Uh, I watched The Grinch, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Wait, is that and the Benedict Cumberbatch one? It is. Okay. Yep. Not the Jim Carrey one. And uh, and I watched a movie from 2018 called Hunter, which we were uh, we were reached out by the the publicist team of the movie, the people who made the movie, and they were like, "Watch our movie," and I said, "Okay," and so I did. And I intended to, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> Oh, uh, you didn't watch it? Oh, I'm disappointed no, now. It, it slipped my mind. Uh, yeah. Had a lot of other things to do. Uh-huh. Um, and I went to the theater to see Captain Marvel. And, well, I, it had already slipped my mind, so I guess I can't quite <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I saw Captain Marvel. Um, I also saw How to Train Your Dragon 3. Uh, oh, you did? Yes. Because we got a sponsor for that, for when we talk about that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, all right. And I, I look forward to finding out who and what that is and what you're going to make me call them on the air. Okay. Um, <laughs> I also saw Fire, the greatest party that never happened. And so that's the other the other documentary on the Firefest. Oh, okay. And lastly, I saw The Changeling. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Wow, you watched four movies again. Yeah, I fit in a lot this week. Okay. Well, we had a couple Uh, extra days, because usually you and I record on Monday. Or we had been, and now it's Friday. Yep. And that is how Uh, things happened. That's a little behind the scenes of how we make sausage. Yep. And podcast. First, you slaughter the pig. That's your favorite part. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) all right let's start with uh with me uh and i'll start with a year in space okie dokie uh so a year in space was a pbs uh time magazine documentary about uh astronaut scott (laughs) that's hard to say astronaut scott kelly's uh he spent a year in space up on the international space station and it basically covers um the leading up to his journey and then his time in space and this movie was pretty disappointing honestly oh no it uh, I was pretty hyped for it because I remember when when Scott Kelly was in space, like he was posting like a whole bunch of pictures on Instagram. Like he's a pretty good photographer, and like a lot of the photos that he was posting were great. And then I knew he was in space for a year, and um, like that was part of his mission was to be up there. And he has a twin brother who is also an astronaut, I think. And uh, and like the the idea is that. Um, they're going to measure like what happens to the human body compared to what happens 
to what happens to the human body in space compared to what happens to the human body on earth by comparing their DNA and like what happens based on like the radiation he's exposed to and, and all this stuff. And it's really just like a long endurance, uh, exhibition. So like for that stuff, it's kind of neat. And, um, the, the movie starts with him going into space and then it steps back to like a few months before he goes up to space, which is like talking about the training he's got to go through to be an astronaut uh, and uh, living on the space station and, and all this stuff. Then we go up into space and it really just kind of goes in the fast forward where it's like, he's been up here for three days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 200 days, 250 days. And uh, along the way um, there were two missions to go to the space station to deliver supplies to unmanned missions. And both of those rockets explode. And, oh. um, so like it adds a little bit of drama to the to the situation yeah. uh, where they're like, um, it, it sucks that those missions exploded because we kind of need supplies up here. And they make a good point early on in the documentary where they say everything that's up there has been delivered by rockets. And you're like, wow, that's pretty interesting. Like everything that's up there was delivered by a rocket. Like there's no shipping. There are no roads. It's, right. it's only one way to deliver stuff. And it's through these large but considerably small payloads. And so, like, two of these things explode, and you're like, wow, that sucks. Um, but luckily, the third the third rocket, they like, they have enough supplies up there to, to survive two mishaps like that, but if uh, the third rocket exploded, they'd be in trouble. So that adds a little bit of drama. But the third rocket makes it there, and you get to see some really cool footage of uh, docking, like where you can see like the ship in the distance, like slowly coming up and like the, the, them grabbing it and pulling it into the space station and then opening the airlock. And, uh, and they, they do this neat moment where they're like, you can smell space when you open the airlock and they're, and they like, they like lean in and they're like, Ooh, let's get a whiff of it. And they say like space smells like burnt metal huh. and they think it, and they're like, it smells really cool. Um, and so, like, it's neat stuff like that. But then it 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 ends. Like, it, he gets to day 340, which, and, and he comes back to Earth. 340 days is not a year. It's I know true. It's, I know it's close, but it's not a year. It's almost a year. And, and I'm just kind of like, they couldn't, like, stretch his mission out for 60 or 90 more days? Like... Like, come on, that's not even the full year. <laughs> I mean, and I know he was probably like excited to get home, but he was really only up there for 11 months, just over 11 months. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask when you when you got kind of done going through things off the bat, what you feel like you missed the most, because I know you like space a lot. And so you're, you probably were pretty excited about this. Um but I hadn't anticipated that you would already answer me and that your answer would be, I want the title of it <laughs> where it says it's here to be more accurate. Yeah. Well, like they spend so much time talking about how he's spending a year, a year up there and it's not a whole year, you know, like it's, it <laughs> yeah, kind I've of annoyed been, me. I've been ripped <laughs> it really off. really annoyed me. Um. And then, uh, and then the other thing is that the movie just wraps up right at the end. It's like, and he lands and it's over. 
but they don't do any discussion about his physiological changes or what what is the difference between him and his brother now you know like they they don't answer they they don't actually tell you about what they were trying to even research yeah they don't answer anything like they don't say like oh you lost so much weight or you lost so much like bone here's here's what happens to the human body based on a year in space it's just kind of like a triumph of the human spirit kind of a thing and um like the the most that they show you is that when he when he gets out of the space capsule he can't walk um i guess because he uh, either he's not allowed to because of like you know like the change from being in zero gravity for so long or or he's unable to like he's gonna have to relearn how to walk but that's it they just kind of show him on like a I don't want to say a wheelchair and I don't want to say a stretcher, but like a, a NASA chair <laughs> and they, and they kind of wheel him away and he gives a thumbs up to the camera and then, and that's the end. And you're like, well, I want to know like what, like, tell you, me you like the know results what they of the mission. To know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty it up for disappointing. Maybe, maybe, but like <laughs> the last month in space and, uh, but it was pretty disappointing. I, I kind of expected more. There are some great moments in it where um, like beautiful vistas and there's a moment where he goes out for his very first spacewalk. And uh, he tells this story about um, like some people when they get when they go out for their first spacewalk, they have this weird vertigo where they feel like they're going to fall because you like you step outside of the space station and you look down and there's the earth. And it's just right below you, so you feel like you could fall. Right. And he basically has a, a GoPro camera inside his his space helmet, and he looks he looks down, and and inside you're like, wow, that's really far down. And you get like a weird afraid of heights thing with him in that moment. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. It'd probably be really neat to see in like a in a theater or a large screen format, uh, because it, it looks beautiful. Um, but as far as like accomplishing the goals of a documentary that's providing information it really kind of falls short well you know there um if you uh, i don't know if it was hidden brain or another podcast but i know there was a podcast about that that had an episode about all the changes that guy experienced so if you want the information you can still get it you might just have to look up his name in you know podcast episodes oh Uh, okay yeah. Actually, you know what? There was another podcast that uh, I think it was just a season, um, and I believe it was called Habitat, um, in which it followed some people through kind of an experiment in which they had to live as though they were on another planet, but they were actually, I think it was on a Hawaiian island um, or, yeah, I, th- I think it was in Hawaii. Um, so like the sort of uninhabited island and um, they still had to live like they could only go out for an hour at a time. Like, I don't know if it was once a week or whatever. I, I, it's been a while since I've listened to it, but it's something I think you would enjoy, even though it's all just a simulation. Uh Um, They still deal with like being stuck with each other. It's kind of like the real world (laughs) in that way. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, isn't this just the episode? Is, are you sure you weren't watching Survivor? <laughs> yeah, um, because when they go out for their like 
walk around the terrain. They've got to wear the spacesuits. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, you're baking and you can't see anything because the shield gets so kind of, uh, the, the face shield gets so kind of like difficult to see through. The glare. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Check that out. Okay. Chance. It's called Habitat? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, and uh, let's talk about one of your movies. Okay, guess I'll save the... Uh, the theater experiences for last. Um, I also, I'm going to throw in a correction corner here for a second. Uh, oh, correction corner. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz uh, uh-huh. is, is named Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> I was referring to her repeatedly as Zoe Grace Moretz. And that <laughs> may be the, a person. Is she the one who plays hit girl? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's got a movie out right now called Greta. Uh, oh, that's supposed to be quite good. Is it? That's what I hear. Interesting. I Maybe I'll catch that next week then. Um, and this isn't so much as a correction as it is just additional information. Because um, uh-huh. you had been talking about Mouse from the Matrix. And yeah. I recently discovered that Mouse from the Matrix is the guy in Attack of the Clones who wants to sell death sticks. Oh... And who changes his mind due to the Jedi mind trick. Really? Wow. Good for him. <laughs> um, so that's it for Correction Corner. Not a lot to add there. Uh, All right. Yeah. Our, our legitimacy is just going on up. <laughs> um, and so I guess I'll go to uh, Fire, the greatest party that never happened. Um, so this is the Netflix version of the fire festival uh, documentaries and um it has a bit of a different feel like i had said before the the hulu one was more about like the the social context and all of the sort of influencers and personalities around it and how people kind of got suckered into it this gets a lot more into what the folks were doing behind the scenes, trying to get the thing set up and, and kind of disputing with each other. And if I was right about who was doing most of the talking, um, it was the guys from fuck Jerry who were working with the, the, uh, Billy McFarlane, the guy whose idea it was and Ja rule and some people. And you get to see a lot more of it actually falling apart. Um, so if you think about things a bit as a parallel for what's going on politically, you could say that the Hulu documentary would be more about the people who would vote for folks like Trump and, and any other like real manipulative liars, and that this movie is more about how they were, what they were selling people and how they run things in the White House. Okay. Um, and the parallel isn't necessarily made as much in the Netflix one. In Hulu, they're pretty explicit about like, hey, look, this has to do with, you know, this relates pretty well or parallels a lot of what's going on in politics. This just shows you the festival stuff. And it's, it's I think, maybe less honest because it, it, it doesn't make the guys from Fuck Jerry or whoever it is that's being interviewed throughout this thing it doesn't necessarily make them look good but it definitely has them in the position of 
maybe emphasizing how much they disagreed with the guy whose idea it was. Mm-hmm. And that seems kind of convenient, you know? <laughs> um, but, it, but it does flow a little bit better. Um, I think it's a little bit more, at least for me, it was a little bit more interesting just to see more of the details of how they were kind of like planning things out. Um, So I would, I I would, uh, I guess I'd recommend if you're going to see these things, I would recommend doing it in the order that I did. I'd say watch the Hulu one first and then get the behind the scenes details through the Netflix one. Um, it, it hangs together pretty well that way. Um, and yeah, um, I think that's about, it's about all I really, really have to say about it. Okay. Cause there's, as far as like, you know, if I were to give you examples of, you know, parts of the movie, I'd end up actually just repeating a lot from the, you know, from the, the review of the other documentary. So I'd say a check it the out. Same points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You get more details. It's kind of, you know, fleshed out differently, but, um, but it's it would it's still the same general plot. <laughs> like there's no they're not disputing each other. Let me put it that way. Okay, All interesting. Right. Well, it's that. not very often you get two documentaries about the same thing right at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, it's you don't get kind of like, a cool. It's a dichotomy. The right word, I guess. There, it's like but dual I guess they're telling this. They're telling the same story from different points of view. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was interesting to to have that experience to to see two different perspectives on the same thing. That's like a um, an idea that I have for a movie is like um, you have two. You gonna you gonna throw your ideas out there where everyone can steal them? Yep. All right. This this one is for anyone to use, and if you've done it. Let me see it. Um, <laughs> Save me the trouble. Uh, so, like, you take a you take a script, and they have to stick to the like whoever create. So you have two teams of people, and they're unaware of each other. Mm-hmm. And you have the same script, and they have to stick to the script. And these two teams have to create a cast, create the film, and then you know, like, edit it and produce it. And then you get to see like how two different people. Uh, or two different groups of people interpret the same work without mm-hmm. knowing that someone else is working on it. Yeah. I think that would be a, an interesting experiment to uh, view. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll bet it would. I remember in uh, one of my film classes in undergrad, um, we watched a video that had, it, it was the same imagery, but it uh-huh. had a different soundtrack and there were like three different or four different soundtracks. Um, and there was no dialogue or anything. It was just the music. But it was to say, like, hey, you know, here's how much influence music has on what you're seeing, and you don't even realize it. And it was just completely different experiences. Um, so to pe- see people do something with the same script and interpret it differently, I think that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, that does sound cool. Um, the, the music thing, not not my idea. Yeah, your idea, you know, cool. yeah. Just give yourself a little bit of a thumbs up there. <laughs> Hey, I had this idea. Good idea. Good job. Good idea, me. Great idea, me. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so then I guess I'll talk about uh, The Grinch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from 2018. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Rashida Jones, and some young girl named Cameron Seeley. I'm guessing Cameron Seeley is the young girl. She is. Uh, and this was directed by... Yarrow Cheney and Scott Mosier. 
And uh, this was okay. It um, it basically tells the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas, and uh, and but it goes into why he hates Christmas and why he wants to ruin Christmas. And you get more of a Grinch of, backstory. Yeah, and it's terrible. Like the backstory is just the Grinch is an orphan, and no one spent Christmas with him as a as a little kid. Like they show this little kid who like watches who watches people enjoying Christmas and no one will no one will invite this orphan to enjoy Christmas with them. And he lives in this orphanage and it seems like he's all alone in the orphanage and he imagines Christmas trees and rooms and then the the rooms disappear. <laughs> or the the Christmas trees disappear and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm all alone on Christmas. And that's why he hates Christmas is because no one was nice to him when he was a, a little kid. And you're like, okay, great. This children's movie has ab- abused orphans or emotionally abused orphans. Great. And then, and then it also tells the story of Cindy Lou who, who's the young girl who lives in Whoville and she, she, for Christmas, the only thing she wants is for her mom, who is Rashida Jones, who works as a nurse or something, and uh, at this at the Whoville Hospital or whatever or something like that. And all she wants for Christmas is for her mom to have it to, to not have to work so hard. And uh, and so she like goes to give this letter to Santa, and she accidentally knocks over the Grinch, and the Grinch is like. The Grinch is like walking through town because he's got to go get groceries, and uh, and that's honestly. Let me take a step back. That's where the movie shines is where the Grinch is just being a dick to people, because like I think my favorite part of the whole movie is at one point while he's shopping for groceries. Uh, oh, and the reason that he has to go get groceries is because he stress eats, and he's like, "How much stress eating did I do?" And they do this montage of him just eating these giant plates of food with his eyes wide, um, and and that's pretty funny. And then they show him at the supermarket, and there's this one lady who's like reaching for something on the top shelf, and she can't reach it, and the Grinch, the Grinch like reaches past her and grabs it, and the lady's like, "Oh, could I have that?" And he goes. Mm, no <laughs> he puts it back up on a higher shelf and then hits the shelf and it falls and breaks on the floor and it was the last one it cracked me up and so like the things like that where the Grinch is being a jerk to people I was like that's where this movie shines but it spends way too much time trying to make you care about these characters who who don't really matter um, like the, like the Cindy Lou who character, we spend way too much time with her, uh, trying to figure, she wants to, uh, she wants to kidnap or capture Santa so that she can give him her, her letter to Santa. And so we spend all this time with her and these kids as they devise this plan to capture him. And then the actual sequence of when the Grinch steals Christmas is like the last 10 minutes of the movie. And it happens so quick and then it's over that it's like, it's like, uh, it's just done. Like, you're like, oh, okay, good. This movie's done now. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, does the Grinch feel like, like it's the same character that was in the cartoon? No, no. he just, he's, he's like, like, I think Benedict Cumberbatch does a good job 
mm-hmm. um, as far as voice acting. I don't, I don't, I think the script is what lets the movie down because yep. he does like a bunch of grinchy things. Like he's, but he, he's like, he's like a jerk for the sake of being a jerk because like, I guess like if you, if you watch that old cartoon from the, from the sixties, he's like, a, he's, he's a Grinch who's like hates everything for the sake of hating it. And, and in this one, he hates everything because people were mean to him. And so, like, at the end of this movie, when when he comes around and, like, after he steals Christmas and spoiler alert for the Grinch, um, his heart grows three sizes or whatever. And he, like, realizes what he's done wrong. And it bursts through his chest and then he dies and it's really dumb. Yeah, right. So, like, he, he realizes that, oh, man, these people still like Christmas even though they don't have any Christmas trees or presents or anything. Oh man, that makes me love Christmas too. And it's not like he it's not like he comes just, to any You're just not buying it. <laughs> well, like he like the realization that he has is like, "Oh, these people like Christmas without Christmas? Well, that could have been me. I could have liked Christmas without a Christmas tree, but I didn't. And so now I love Christmas and I want to be friends with everyone." I, Whereas, I love to just be in there in a room by myself <laughs> neglected Exactly. By like 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 it kind of makes it seem like it's his fault that he didn't like Christmas oh, instead of like, anti-orphan, anti-orphan propaganda. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, uh, it's like this strange emotional journey that you go on. And at the end, it's the Grinch's fault. Whereas in the sixties, in the sixties cartoon, the, the Grinch is like just a jerk. He steals Christmas and he does it to teach everyone a lesson. He's like, ha, if I steal Christmas from you, then you'll be as miserable as I am. And and then when when they all wake up the next morning and realize like Christmas has been taken, no one seems to care. They're just happy to be together. And he's like, what? That's incredible. You mean just because they don't have all of this material stuff, they're still happy? And then and then he's like, oh, that makes me feel better about myself and like all my stuff. And like, that's why his heart grows three sizes. And then he returns everything. But then he doesn't like get invited to dinner, I don't think, because that's what happens at the end of this movie. They invite him to Christmas dinner. And uh, I don't know. Also, I feel like he maybe he did get invited to dinner. He does. OK, I'm, I'm also, almost positive the- he does in the Jim Carrey version. Uh, my wife says that that movie is not terrible. It, I saw that in the theater, believe it or not. And I remember, (laughs) yeah. And I remember it being better than I expected. Um, but I've seen it referenced and the parts of it that I've seen referenced, I'm like, yeah, how the hell did I tolerate that? Like there's one point where he picks his dog up and puts its butthole on some guy's mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Look forward to next week's episode when Nick's like, yeah, I, f- I saw that Jim Carrey one. Oh, <laughs> just- yeah. Um, also, the Grinch is this great, big, tall, green, furry monster of a person. He's like the Philly lives- fanatic. Exactly. And he lives in this civilization with human looking characters and doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why is this green monster live with these people? <laughs> so, yeah, Fair the point. Grinch 
It's it's not really good. My son enjoyed quite a bit of it. Like he was cracking up at a bunch of parts. But like for the most part, uh if you're 6, you'll probably enjoy the movie. If you're <laughs> if you're older, probably not so much. Although when the Grinch is a jerk, it really shines. Like there should have been more jerk Grinch moments. That's a recommendation for 6 year Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out if you're 6. Cool. Uh, and I guess, uh, speak, speaking of six-year-olds, uh huh. You you saw an animated movie. I did. Oh yeah, you? yeah. But I haven't <laughs> talked about the Changeling yet. Oh, um. So, all right. Let's let's talk about the Changeling. Yeah. Um. So the Changeling is a movie Nick watched. Uh, what two episodes back? Uh, I think last week. Last week. Okay. Um, well, I got around to seeing it and, um, so I, I guess there's not a, a lot I need to, to hash through as far as the plot goes. Um, uh-huh. guys, check out last week's episode for more yeah. plot guys, family members die, wife and daughter, and he stays in a haunted house. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Um, this is actually, you know, when, when people talk about George C. Scott, I had no idea who that actually was. So I, uh. Have a note that says, so that's George C. Scott. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, you know, he goes into this rundown house that luckily has a piano because he's a piano player. Um, and <laughs> there was a point where partway through the movie, I was like, this guy seems pretty well adjusted for, uh, you know, having had his wife and daughter die. Because he's like talking to these folks down in the the lobby of a hotel or something like that. Yeah. And uh and I'm like, oh, he's he's wow, he's really bounced back. He's getting <laughs> over it pretty quick, you know. And then a it was few, well then a few minutes the late later, 70s, people didn't he have just emotions. He starts then. crying in the middle of the night and I was like, oh well. Oh yeah, yeah he wakes up crying in bed. Oh, by the way, we're going to do heavy spoiler since we've both seen the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, total spoiler yeah. alert. Um and with this movie that's actually you don't want it spoiled cuz there's there's a fair amount of like, hey, what's going on? Why are things haunted? And so, I mean, that's a pretty pretty fundamental part of the movie. So if you're yeah. going to watch it and you want to have that experience, then pause this for a bit. Go watch a yeah. movie and come back. Um, so, the, it, hmm. There were a lot of things about this movie. I, I definitely did not have the same experience you did, Nick. Um, oh, no? No. I but it, But I don't think it's like a bad movie uh i i you had mentioned some things about wanting it to be redone or being surprised it hasn't been redone and i found myself at many points going man i wish this was just done not necessarily newer because in a lot of cases that just means crappy um Uh so like for instance go watch the haunting um (laughs) but i did want it to be done with more of a uh, with more of a modern eye, um, maybe still set in the in the seventies, but um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it, the the sound quality was awful. I mean, there were there were a lot of moments where I was like, these people might as well be just be talking underwater. I have no idea what the woman said most of the time. Um, yeah. but I did like, yeah, yeah, it was it was a real issue, but I did like the the way that a lot of the there were a lot of like static and and kind of lingering shots that made me feel 
a little like voyeuristic. Like it just made me very aware of my watching. If that makes sense. Like, uh, do you have a specific? Um, no, I, I don't have a, a specific example. It was just a lot of, because they weren't necessarily eventful moments. It was just the way the, uh, the, the way that, that it was timed, you know? So actually here's an example. So when he's, um, getting ready to sit down and listen to the recordings of the, the, like when they had a, um, what do you call it? A medium or a psychic. Yeah, when they did the seance and they recorded it, and he's sitting down to to listen to the reels, and when he's getting ready to sit down, it's just like the camera is, I think, placed in such a way that it feels like you're watching him from the doorway of another room. Yeah, yeah, and I you're know just what you're talking about. You're just standing still, and it's a little bit of him not really doing anything. Normally, it wouldn't even be; it would have been cut out. But you're there watching a little bit of stuff that's not exactly eventful yet and it sort of puts you there more so i i did like that and i like that a lot um i um i i really agree um not to interrupt but i feel like one of the things that they would ruin in a modern movie is during those moments they would take that shot but when the when you start hearing the voice over the reel to reel it would like cut like like one of those static flash cuts which I'll get into with my Hunter review, um, <laughs> where like it flashes to like a, a different scene for a second and then cuts back to it. Like it would be like that hyper editing uh, moments of him flashing back to like the seance or like the something that happened weird in the house. Like they wouldn't just let the scene breathe mm-hmm. for yeah. for like those long moments. Like it, it would feel like it needs to it needs to pick up the pace or something like that. And I think that's where the, this movie shines a lot. Like you're saying is that it, it lets you, uh, immerse yourself in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when it comes to the actual scary stuff, I, I didn't find this movie scary at all. Um, but it's, uh, it's also something that I think for me is like I, with older movies, I'm kind of hit or miss on them. Like I really like the omen, um, but I don't really get much out of the exorcist. Um, and, and this is just one of those ones where I'm like, I think the quality here is good. Like it probably won't go too far up on my hierarchy list, uh-huh. but it will probably get like four stars. You know, okay. I think it's solid. It just, it just missed some things for me. Um, a lot of the spooky elements are pretty cliche, but I mean, it's a movie from like 1981, right? Yeah. Um so I think I think 80 but yeah okay. yeah yeah that that's right. Um yeah so there're like doors opening and windows creaking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so the, I I and then there are a couple things that I guess you know I thought were kind of uh what would you call it? like like cliche kind of things that turned out to have a reason. So since we're spoiling I guess I'll be a little more direct. Um sure. So there's like at the beginning when he's like, yeah, so what's up with this house? And he's talking yeah. to the lady with the glasses. Um, yeah. And she's like, 
yeah, you don't want to be in that house. But he's like, well, why not? And she just like walks away. Uh (laughs) Oh my God. This is like every damn horror movie where people sort of tell you get away from that house and they warn you, but they don't tell you the stuff until the Uh third act when they're like, Hey, why don't I just tell you all that stuff now? (laughs) (laughs) But in Uh, this case, she's in on the conspiracy. So it, it makes sense. I, I like that he doesn't doubt that the house is haunted. Like he's got like a few moments of like in the morning when like the pounding sound happens, which is the sound of the kid drowning in the tub, yeah. which is awful. Um, and he like wakes up every morning and he goes and like complains about it. And then like the next scene, like I guess shortly thereafter, he's like, oh yeah, the house is totally haunted, but uh, I got nothing else going on. So I'm going to try and solve this mystery. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, no. That's, I like that, I like that they don't they don't spend a whole lot of time trying to convince him that the house is haunted. It's like right. he's like, yeah, there's something going on here, and uh, I think I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it does help to not have him going through any unnecessary like disbelief stuff. Um, I wanted the music to be different. I, I don't know if you felt that way, but I felt like the music was like any time, especially like the music that he's working on. Um, didn't seem like, oh, that's, that's the sort of music I could see why everyone really respects this guy. It was just like, oh, that's, that just sounds crappy. Um, <laughs> so, like, like it didn't, I don't know. It didn't quite, it felt like it should have been more sophisticated or something. Um, uh, and that's that. Uh, well, uh, you know what? There was something else I just noticed. Um, throughout the movie. And I guess it didn't apply so much to him because he's staying in this house to write and whatnot. But with the amount of time that the woman who's the main, like the other main character, uh, the amount of time that she's spending with him and at the house, I'm like, doesn't this lady have a job? Yeah. Because she has an incredible amount of time to like investigate and hang out at the house and go to the cemetery and go with him to the library. And I'm like, yeah, lady, she is, uh, she is really looking to get in his pants or something because she cannot let yeah. him go. Well, she, like, meanwhile, go she's ro- being fired. They go on that romantic horse ride together. And then, and then he's like, she's like, aren't we having a lovely time? And then it cuts to him and he's like, <laughs> he's my, my off daughter, the distance. <laughs> yeah, my, his face looks longer than the horses. And he's like, my daughter loved horses. And she's like, oh, way to bring us down. Talking about your family again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your That's... wife has been dead for four months. Get over it. <laughs> well, you know, on one hand. Yeah, that would probably take some time. But on the other hand, you're 100% right, too, that it sort of comes out of nowhere. Like, they're like, tra-la-la, horse yeah. time. Oh, look, it's really pretty. And that actually, like, that scene where they're, before they start talking, where they're just on the horses coming through all the greenery, that's uh-huh. a really nice shot. I, yeah. I just remember being like, man, I kind of want to pause my TV there and just look at that. Um, yeah, I totally agree, yeah. But <laughs> But then, yeah, they're like, oh, this is lots of fun stare <laughs> what's wrong my dead daughter loved horses oh like, did that just occur to you now you've <laughs> yeah. been riding on the horses for like an hour um the other thing that i liked is uh when he goes to like the college or whatever and talks to like he goes to the psychic division of the college mm-hmm. and he's talking oh, yeah. to this the psychic professor and he's like yeah i need a psychic and the psychic's like 99 percent of psychics are are bullshit 
but um, what the one percent, they're the real deal. And so I guess he gets like from him, he gets a one percenter. And right. then what I really enjoy is that the psychic comes to the house and she's just straight up psychic. They don't waste any time with her. Oh, is she a fraud? Is she making it up? And uh, and she just starts and and then she's and without any explanation, they they start their seance and she does the thing where she's scribbling on the paper. Yeah. But they don't ex- they don't explain anything and like for the first couple minutes that it's happening you're like what the hell is she doing and then when the ghost starts speaking to her she starts writing out what he's saying and you're like oh okay that's that's a cool way to to like tell the story and like her little helper guys like you know like he they're both a really good team yeah he's like and handing like, he her like, pencils and sliding paper under her hands yeah like they know exactly what to do like this isn't their first rodeo and right. There and it's just like a really well done scene. And then like for some reason they have like a big metal cone that they use to like to for the ghost to wiggle. Oh, yeah, and then that, that was strange. I thought they might explain what that was about a little bit, but they <laughs> but they don't. Um, no. And then I was um, wondering. I was like, is it going to point in a certain direction? Nope. It right. just it just wobbles back and forth. Is the, is the seance the part where where the um like the spirits coming down the steps? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was really well done too, where like it was coming down from that attic room. Um, and then at the end, does it end with like the cup getting smashed or is that a different spot? The, does the seance end with the cup getting smashed? Yeah. Where like the cup flies across the room. I want to say yes, but I don't quite remember. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I I want to say yes though. And then what I really like is right after that. They all just leave. Yep. <laughs> they leave. They leave him in this house alone. No, no, like, like giving him a report or anything. Nothing like. Yeah, like what the, I gathered. Just like, oh, like, well, we recorded it. Enjoy listening. Psychic's like, we gotta go. See you later. And then his the girl and her mom, who like goes everywhere with her for some reason, are like, we're all just gonna leave you alone in this horrifying house now. Um enjoy listening to the tape <laughs> and then you get the that sequence of him playing the tape back there's no way there's no way i'm staying in the house that night after just <laughs> hearing after hearing a ghost voice beg right. its father not to drown him in the tub and, and that yeah I you feel like you know I, what that's that that's a good point because at while he's listening to it and he's hearing this ghost voice on the recording repeatedly mm-hmm. um yeah. He doesn't like stop to look around like fuck. You know, this, this is yeah. voice. Someone's in the room with me. He's just like, wow, this is a good ghost recording. All right. Yeah. And he starts doing the uh like I think the voice that they have for the the child over the recording is scary as hell. It scared the hell out of me. The father no water metal i'm like stop (laughs) stop it you're freaking me out (laughs) um and then uh oh and then what else there's there's something else i wanted to mention um uh, it'll come to me later but uh well uh i i will say i think yeah usually when you get the explanation at the end of a horror movie it's a bit of a letdown or it makes things really corny and steals all the mystery but in this movie, I actually really enjoyed the confrontation of, yeah. you know, with the main character confronting the guy who was sort of the replacement child, the changeling, yeah. if you will. Um, 
that actually I was like, oh, this is a pretty powerful scene. The the explanation could have been dumb or like not very fulfilling if mm-hmm. the actual interaction between those actors wasn't as good as it was. But it was actually a really good scene because of that. Yeah, I uh, I agree, and I like this the story leading up to it, where like this this senator guy is just a total fraud, and and he's just like he thinks George C. Scott is trying to blackmail him, and uh, and George C. Scott's like, look, I'm not trying to blackmail you, I'm just trying to sleep all through the night without waking up to your your drowning brother. <laughs> well, you um, know what though, there's one thing throughout the movie. Speaking of him sleeping well at night, we're like people are like, "Hey, get out of the house!" And you never, to my, if I'm remembering right, because I was waiting for it. Like you never get him actually explaining why he won't leave the house. He just doesn't. They're like, "Hey, yeah. get out of there!" And then it's like the next day he's waking up. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, why'd you go back? Right, that's a good point. Um, the other thing that I really like is at one point when he like solves the mystery and he goes to the house, and the house like, the house does something mean to him. And he's like, what else do you want me to do, House? I've done everything I can. Right. There's nothing else for me to do. And the House is like still disappointed in him. And he's just mad at the House. Yeah. I thought that was great. Where where him and the House just aren't getting along or the House doesn't think he's solving the crime enough. Uh-huh. I thought that was great. Um, But then like towards the end, I think it gets a little cheesy at the end because like the girl comes to the House while he's not there. And then, like, the house, like, lures her to the attic room. Yeah. And and then the kid's wheelchair starts chasing her around the house. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, I feel like the house is pretty indignant for against the people that are trying to help it like yeah that's true like like i i i like the fact that the house is 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 angry at everyone for everything even though there are people that are trying to help the house because i feel like that's a realistic kind of thing like if you were in a haunted house and you're trying to solve it and then the house just starts attacking you you'd be pissed off at it like i'm doing everything i can house yeah i but, agree uh, yeah yeah the changeling all right uh, All right, so then um, you went to the movies twice this week. Uh, yeah, I've got two preview corners. Okay, So I guess great. that's just a line. Um, all right, and it looks like the episode's getting pretty long, so I'll try to go through this pretty quickly. Um, so the first set of previews are the ones for uh, uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Brought uh, to you by the big ticket. Yeah, thanks, preview big corner. ticket. Preview Corner is brought to you by The Big Ticket. How to Train Your Dragon 3 is brought to you by Mike S. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Mike S. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a little kid. Oh, cool. So, uh, glad I'm doing all the cursing. <laughs> so, uh, first preview I saw was, uh, it's for a Disney movie about penguins. Um, it's a nature documentary, and it looks very pretty. And I'll leave it at that. Saw another, okay. Yep. <laughs> saw another preview for Ugly Dolls. Not going to say anything about that because I've done it a hundred times. Uh-huh. Another preview for Breakthrough, that kid who falls through the ice. Uh, got me thinking, it's pretty easy to make a movie to prove God. And I'm going to put proving quote marks or quotations. Because, um, you know, all you got to do is put something in the movie where something happens and people go, oh, that was God. Or like you could just 
give God dialogue, you know, just have him show up and be like, yes, I uh, make things happen. Um, <laughs> but it would be a lot harder to do a movie that proves that God doesn't exist because you can't have God show up and be like, this, <laughs> the skeptics are right. <laughs> I'm not real, you know? Right. So anyway, this is just Doesn't where they my do that in the, the Joan of Arc movie. Where she's like, doesn't she talk to God and then they go to burn her to death and God's like, see you later. Uh, the messenger? I don't know. Uh, which Joan of Arc? That was maybe? the best example of, I, I could prove of a God not coming through to help somebody. <laughs> or, or I guess Jesus. Like Jesus is, Jesus is being crucified and God doesn't step in to help. <laughs> Fair point. Um, uh, well, and, and so that was that. Um, then I Although saw I guess preview. Jesus is God. I don't know. It gets confusing. Yeah, I get real confused about that part. Um, so moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there's a preview for Nancy Drew, um, and it's got the there's girl a Nancy Drew movie. There's a Nancy Drew movie coming out, and it's got the girl from It in it, the new It. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> no, it's got the girl who's now like sixty from the first It. Um. It's got the girl from it in it and uh actually it, it seems kind of fun like i'm not looking forward to going to the movie and seeing this because i will look like a weirdo <laughs> but uh-huh. uh but it does look like a fun movie so i might end up doing that anyway okay um all right and then i saw a preview for oh apparently a dog's purpose too is called dog the dog's journey oh um, so I've seen it's that preview sequel? like six times and uh, never got that that was the title. Is this uh, the movie where where the dog keeps getting reincarnated? Yeah. Yes. This is a so, sequel? Yeah. It's a sequel wow. to A Dog's Purpose. I never even knew the first one came out. And then there was that other movie that just came and went that was like The Dog's Way Home or something like that. So anyway... Yep, dog keeps getting narrated, or just a dog keeps getting narrated. <laughs> dog keeps getting reincarnated. The narration is annoying, like just in the preview, like the dog talking about stuff. Ugh, it's annoying. Um, then they saw a preview for Wonder Park again. Don't have anything new to say about that. And then I saw a preview for The Secret Life of Pets Two, and uh-huh. in this preview it. Uh, the last preview I saw had a dog trying to pretend to be a cat. That was kind of funny. This one had cows making fun of a dog. And um, that was actually kind of funny, too. <laughs> so I don't know what okay. to make of this movie. Uh, oh, is that and- where the, the dog is like shaking its butt at the dog? Or the cow shaking its butt at the dog? Yeah. It's just I mocking what it's too. like to be a dog. Um, and, it, and it was kind of funny. All right, um, and then here are the previews I saw for Captain Marvel. Okay. Um, at first, there was a, a movie that I was thinking should just be called Idris Elba because he's really popular right now, and I like him. He's uh-huh. cool. Um, but it's actually it's Idris Elba having something like superpowers, and uh-huh. it turns out that it's a Fast and the Furious spinoff. Yep called Hobbs and Shaw. Uh-huh. And I have to admit, that's the first Fast and Furious movie I feel willing to watch. 
it's like at this point, at this point, they're just straight up fighting super villains. Yep, a hundred percent. You really need to go ahead and watch like the fourth, fifth, and sixth Fast and the Furious movies. I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> they're great. Uh, I still haven't seen the eighth one, but like they're all like what starting with that fourth one, they get ridiculously entertaining. Gotcha. Um, next preview I saw, which I would have called nerd wish fulfillment is a movie in which Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen are getting together. A presidential thing. Yeah. It's called long shot. And, uh, basically the movie is saying, yeah, this is nerd wish fulfillment. You know, you, you, you too could date Charlize Theron. And, uh, I just, I don't care, you know, like. It, it it's true, you know. So since there are kids listening, hey kids, <laughs> you 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 can probably date anyone that as long as they're interested in you. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you know whether they're out of your league or whatever. Things happen. It's cool, whatever. It's not worth being a movie. That's my point. Um. So or maybe I'm just jealous because he gets to date Charlize Theron. I don't know. But moving on. <laughs> um. I saw another preview, which at first I wrote The Flash, but turns out it was Shazam, and I just totally forgot the name. And uh, I got to say, yeah, I am really excited about Shazam. Yeah, you were excited about Aquaman. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I think Uh, Shazam looks just great. It looks so much fun. uh, I, I will see it. It's it's gotten me at least interested in seeing it, and that's as far as I'm going to go with that. Uh, um, but there's a moment where the one kid says to the other kid, you're the only kid I know who knows anything about this Cape Crusader stuff. And I'm like, what? This is the only kid that knows anything about comic book heroes? Have you been right. alive for the last 15 years? So that's that. And then... Uh, Spider-Man again, and this is where my note was. I'm starting to hate Preview Corner. Because <laughs> I'm just seeing the same thing so many times. Uh, and then I saw a preview for Rocket Man, the biopic of uh, uh, Bill, Billy Idol. No, not that's, that's not right. Billy Joel. El- nope, that's not right either. El- Elton John. John. There we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, Billy I actually... <laughs> I'll say, um, I'm not really big on biopics, but this is one I actually might be interested in seeing as long as I know it's not like 95% made up bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, like, you know, that Freddie Mercury one. Um, yeah, I still haven't seen that. Not interested. Yeah. Um, there's a, another preview for dark Phoenix. This time it's a different preview. So they finally came out with another one and it still looks like garbage. So whatever. Yeah. There, there are two previews that came out for that last week. There's the U S one, which looks terrible. Uh-huh. And then there's the international trailer, which made it look good. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no trailer. This movie looks like hot. Like you said, terrible garbage, but like it's a way better trailer than the U S trailer. Uh, well, yeah, that's just a uh, congrats editor for yeah doing your part well. I mean, what sucks is that I still have to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I'm I for some reason feel more willing to see this than Apocalypse. Um, Did you ever see Apocalypse? No, and I think part of it is that Apocalypse just looks stupid. 
Like Oscar uh-huh. Isaac's face is not a face that was meant to look intimidating in blue makeup. Like he just yeah. looks droopy. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't look at like a empty garbage bag version of Thanos and go, <laughs> ah, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So then I saw a preview for frozen two and, um, all I really picked up from that is that there is a elk army in that movie. I have a theory about frozen two and, uh, cause we frozen's on heavy repeat in our house, uh-huh. especially the soundtrack. Um, but my theory is that, have you ever seen it? Did you ever no. see the first one? No, well, but it's worth, feel free it. it's worth checking it. out. Um, so like the one sister has ice powers and in yes. the first one, she's the main villain of the movie, despite right. what the movie will tell you. Um, anyway, by the end of the first movie, they're all friends again. Uh-huh. Um, my theory is that in the second movie, we find out that the redheaded sister has fire powers. Ah. So we'll see, we'll see if that happens. But like, that's my theory is that, you know, the old a, fire and ice. It's a song of ice and fire. Yeah. Um, which for all of you Game of Thrones television shows watch television show watchers, that's actually the title of those books. The more you know. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. uh, and then I saw a preview for Dumbo, and if you ever see the preview that I saw, I just saw for Dumbo last night. Notice the music, because this music makes it sound like it is one fucking intense action movie. It's just like 900 drums beating like like there's a like some sort of matrix war going on. It's it's insane. And that's all I got to say about preview corner. There you okay. go. Big ticket. You all got right. you got a double dose today. Big ticket. And then uh I guess that brings us to Oh wait, no. Train. Hold oh, on. God. Hold <laughs> on. Don't close the corner. <laughs> there's more. Uh, because the, the Coke saga continues. Um, oh God. So in the commercial part of the, of the, of the, uh, event, I saw another commercial for M&Ms and I just realized, and I, I, I've never really questioned this before, but I, I hate M&Ms and it's not really like, I, I don't really care for the taste that much, but I also have like a negative connotation with them that I've never thought to try to identify. And I know what it is. It's the stupid M&M commercials before movies. And <laughs> when I see M&Ms, I get kind of angry. And now I know why. <laughs> uh, and then I saw, okay, so I saw a commercial for Diet Coke Strawberry. And uh, it's still got this aggressive tone to it. Like this woman walks into a meeting and nothing really seems str- strange about it yet. But you can tell they're selling a new Diet Coke flavor. But then the woman going into this meeting, I guess she's sitting next to some sort of like, I don't know, ad marketing research guy. And then it's, just, it's like the voiceover or narration or whatever is like, research this, Neil. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, then it's, and then it still has that, um, uh, the, the catchphrase that it has had lately. Um, and I want to say it's you do you, but that's not right. Um, oh, it's Diet Coke because I can, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> um, and then there was another commercial tagged onto that for orange vanilla Coke. And I am interested Ew. in drinking that. <laughs> I want to try it. That's all I know. 
That sounds terrible. Uh, I just want to point out that if the M&M Mars Corporation, <laughs> I love M&Ms. So, you know. <laughs> this is into I think they're delicious. chocolatey M&M the, the money. candy melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Turn off your cell phones before the movie. Oh, boy. Um, all right. All right. All right, let's step out of preview corner and into how to train your dragon corner. Brought to you by Mike S. All right. So Little Mikey. Thanks, Mike S. Um is he related to Chris R? No. <laughs> um Where's so, my money, Danny? <laughs> so, I want my fucking oh, money. <laughs> speaking of which, the the ghost sh- or the shark movie for Tom from Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. When does that have a release date or is it going to be like in 10 years? Like, like the room I don't know. I didn't see, I didn't see a release date. I hope. Oh man. Um, all right. So dragons three, um, (sighs) the plot of this movie is, um, the main character whose name I can't even remember now. Um, he wants to take all the dragons and the people, to find a safer place where the dragons can be safe. And Uh that's kind of it. Um, This movie was kind of fun. Um, The voice acting's not great. Um, The main character, his voice acting in particular is, it's not, it's not like he's reading his lines wrong. It's just Uh very good. Um, is it Jay Baruchel is the voice actor? Don't know. Um, the side characters are annoying. Like the the two, like even though his voice acting is not great, the two main characters, like this guy and his girlfriend, um, and the I guess the dragon, they're fine. But the rest of the side characters are they're they're annoying, and one of them is purposely annoying. Like she actually annoys her way out of a situation, um, uh-huh. but it doesn't make her any less annoying. Mm-hmm. And so there's her, and then there's a guy who's like this sort of smarmy. I'm going to tell you how to do everything and teach you how to be that guy. He's annoying. And then for some reason, there's a guy who wants to screw the main character's mom, who <laughs> is like the same age as him. So it's this like milf B plot, and I don't know why that's there. That's uh-huh. that's that's not necessary <laughs> at all. Um, and so, and then visually, okay, the dragons are cute and there's a good, like 20 minutes or so where you get to see this one dragon interact with this other dragon. And it's like, all right, cool. We'll just go ahead and have a little interlude here while I watch these two dragons flirt with each other. And it's perfectly fine. Honestly, um, there are some really nice colors when they get to a certain location in the movie, like this one setting's really cool looking but you don't see much of it. Um, and then other than that, there's not really much to take from it. I, I thought the, uh, it was strange. The way this movie's illustrated is kind of strange. Like the faces are very low def, like, and, and not in like a toy story improving over the years way where you're like, okay, yeah, it's still simple, but it looks like it's been rendered to the point of being very detailed. Yeah. Um, this is just like, why, why are the facial features and stuff just not, why do they feel like they were made eight years ago in comparison or eight years before 
the the effects or details or illustration of all the textures and the clothing and the world they're in because everything else is very very cool um mm-hmm. and very well, it is very realistic, but it's it's not necessarily realistic or not realistic. It's just defined. Um, and then the faces, it, it just seems like they were illustrated by a different company or something. It's weird. Um, okay. And that's kind of all I have to say about this, actually. So, Dragons 3, it's all right. <laughs> I never saw the second one, but I saw the first one, and I was like, all right, it's uh, a little less good than that. Uh-huh. Um, didn't really, it just, it doesn't have much of a story to it. It really doesn't. There's really? even a moment where it's like the, you know, that rock bottom moment where you're like, oh man, the hero's really been screwed. And someone's like, we should do something. Okay. And and that's, that's really it. Like, it's as if you're watching Rocky <laughs> and like, it gets to the part where, uh, Sylvester Stallone or Rocky, if you will, is just like beaten down and needs to get back up and, you know, charge. And it's just, there's no, there's no drama to it. Uh huh. So I just, I mean, to imply that a Rocky movie lacks drama. No, 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 no. I'm saying that it's, it's like that you would need that sort of thing. Like you would need the drama to, to, pull him up you know he's hit the bottom and he's got to work his way back into like into action right and this is just like oh no we lost everything well let's go get it back oh good point (laughs) oh okay i get what you're saying yeah yeah sorry i didn't i I didn't say that clearly okay so that's dragons three okay it'd be Um, a longer review if there were more to it but there just isn't okay well let me briefly talk about the movie hunter Excellent. Uh, um, so we were reached out to by the uh, publicist for Skyfire Entertainment or whatever, and they are the production company that created this movie Hunter uh, from 2018, directed by David Tarl Tarleton. Um, and uh, so this movie was. <laughs> I, I feel bad when I, like uh, whenever we get contacted by a company to talk about a movie, I feel like I give it a better review than it deserves. So, and this will be no different. Um, so this movie was not really good, but, uh, but it's really well shot. Like it's a very well produced movie and for like a crazy independent kind of production and compared to like some of the awful stuff that's on Netflix, it, the fact that this movie isn't on, isn't on Netflix and isn't like, um, well received compared to like terrible movies like avalanche sharks previous episode and uh and and things like that it's it's kind of a shame because this is a really well made movie mm-hmm. um it's just not very good uh so basically it starts out with um the main character whose name you think they say that his name is hunter van helsing uh-huh and and you're like, oh, Van Helsing, is this movie about vampires? And it is. And and then like three quarters of the way through the movie, you find out that his name is actually Hunter Van Nelson. Oh. Like not not Van Helsing, Van Nelson. And you're like, right. oh, but there are vampires. Why? And he's like fighting them. Why? 
why is it his name Van Helsing? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you're like, it can't be like a, a copyright thing. Cause like Dracula is like over a hundred years old, you know, like, like why isn't his name just Van Helsing? And then, and then you're just like, whatever. So basically this movie starts out with this guy, the main character whose name is Hunter, uh, played by Jason Kellerman. He's like an MMA fighter and he's really good. And he's like fighting his way through like a, a tournament. And, uh, and then the very next scene is him living on the streets. Uh, it was also shot in Chicago. Uh, so it's a lot of cool, cool place. It is a cool place. And it's like winter in Chicago. So it's miserable. And, uh, uh, so he's, uh, he's just homeless living on the streets and you're trying to learn why. Um, and then he goes to, he eventually goes to a homeless shelter and at the homeless shelter, he gets a caseworker. And this is why I really wish you had seen the movie because there's a lot of psychiatry involved in the movie. And, uh, and I watched the credits and in the credits, they have a psychological, uh, consultant. And I'm like, this, this would be great to discuss with Matt. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, so like he like meets with this person and she's like, in order for him to stay at this homeless shelter, he has to, um, go to these treatment sessions where like, he just basically talks to this girl. And meanwhile, one of his homeless friends, gets kidnapped or disappears and he goes to like he like goes on this mission to find a white van in all of chicago with a specific license plate and he finds it wow and uh and uh he finds out he finds out like that the the people that have taken his friend are like eating her like a vampire they're vampires spoiler alert they're vampires and and so like he's afraid of them because we find out that in his past the reason that he's homeless is because one night when he was at his house with his, the other thing is you don't know how old this guy is supposed to be. Like he looks like an actor in his thirties and, or late thirties <laughs> and, and like he keeps flashing back to like this dinner he's having with his, what you assume was his daughter. And then you find out it's just his little sister who's like nine or 10 and then uh, vampires come in and kill his family, and he ran away like a coward. And uh, and so, like that's why he's homeless now is because because of that incident. Um, then he starts uh, sleeping with his therapist, and uh, and he's still homeless. He's still a homeless guy. And then like <laughs> he's still he starts like hooking up with his therapist, and she's like, "We can't do this." And he's like, "How about one or two more times?" And she's like. Okay, and he's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go do one of my homeless missions." Well, I'm gonna make an <laughs> announcement here. <laughs> so, so uh, everybody out there, if your therapist starts sleeping with you, they're they're not doing things right. Just so you know. Uh, yep. I don't know. D- like, don't do it. It's not. I good. don't know. Like Hunter started sleeping with his therapist, and then like he decides to shave. You know, and like, and then he goes, I'm going to go to a job interview tomorrow. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to go fight these vampires. All right. Um, so yeah, that's basically the movie. Um, uh, there's a little twist at the end where, uh, I won't spoil it for you in case you still want to watch it, but it's terrible. And, 
<laughs> and then at the end, he like gets all cocky fighting these vampires again. Like at the beginning when he's doing the MMA fighting, he's like a real cocky fighter. And then for the rest of the movie, he's like scared of everything. And then for no reason at the very end, he's cocky again. And you're like, why couldn't he just be cocky the whole time? If he was cocky the whole time, this would have been a lot more fun. Okay. But um, is, is there any humor in this movie or is it is it taking itself pretty seriously? It takes itself pretty seriously. There are a few lighter moments, but it takes itself pretty seriously. The acting is pretty okay, um, but but visually, it's it's really well shot. It's really well directed, and the cinematography is is great in it. Actually, uh, it's just the story and the um, the just the main story kind of blows. But um, a really well made movie, I'd I'd have to say, uh, is pretty okay. impressive. So. Um, I'd be interested in seeing what else this company makes because it was it was a it was a fun 130 minute or 130 minutes. <laughs> it was a, it was a fun cow. hour and a, it was a fun hour and a half. Like like I had fun watching it. So well, I mean that's really all you can hope for with a movie. And then uh, like all the psych the psychiatrist stuff had me cracking up because I was like oh I hope Matt is watching this ridiculousness. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, sorry Hunter, I missed it. Hunter from 2018. I'm not sure where you can find it. But uh, yeah, it's Hunter 2018 on uh, IMDb if you're looking for it. All right. Check it out. And that, and that brings us to the final movie of the week. Captain Marvel. And now I haven't listened to a lot of reviews on this or anything, but I have heard references to like people really loving or really hating this movie. Really? And, I haven't uh, really heard anything about it yet. Yeah, I, I, well, like I said, I haven't heard anyone actually say they love it or hate it. I just have heard mm-hmm. people reference that, like, I don't know. It sounds like people are having some big debate online. Um, I'm sure it's probably just like comic book fans having, is you know, it, getting the panties a bunch. Is it because it's a female comic book character? So they're like, meh. I have no idea. I, re- I, I honestly really don't even know what any of the controversy is. I just know people are apparently either really in this movie's corner or really against it. And the I'm going to say <clears throat> this movie is par. It's just par? It's fine. Yeah. yeah? It's par. Okay. Um, just an average Marvel movie. Uh, you know, not really. It, it doesn't it, uh, to me. And I'm sure there will be people who disagree because um, Nick Fury is in it, but Nick Fury is a bit, He's a younger Nick Fury, and um, so he doesn't really, like, have his attitude quite in place just yet. Um, And it doesn't really feel like a Marvel movie. Like, walking out of it, I'm like, something about that just seemed kind of... I don't know if out of place is the right way to put it, but it's definitely got a different feel. Um, And it's it's not a similar feel to Thor Ragnarok, but you know how Ragnarok kind of stands out? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It it just has its own non-Marvel-y sort of tone. Although I don't think Ragnarok doesn't feel like Marvel. It just feels different from the other movies. This yeah. one actually doesn't quite feel like Marvel. Um, except that you see a bit of uh, the agent what's-his-face from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Coulson? Um, yeah. It, it, where he's in it, it feels like Marvel. But otherwise, it, it I don't know. It feels like it's kind of its own thing. Um, so is that a a good thing or a bad thing that it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie? I'd like to say it's a good thing since I have kind of a 
anti-Marvel bent. But in truth, I I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, I th- I think it's, uh, I think it's a bad thing actually. I, I don't think it's to its favor that it feels, um, out of place. Interesting. And I know I just said it doesn't feel out of place, but it, it kind of does feel out of place. It's 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 a little weird. Um, the, the plot, I'm going to have to skirt around a little bit because it's something that kind of develops throughout the movie. And it's actually something that there's a little bit of mystery to it. And I think they do that part pretty well. As far as like unfolding what's going on, you're sort of introduced to there's this lady who is part of what's called the Cree. It's like a race mm-hmm. of people. And they are in battle with the scroll, which look like yep. people from Star Trek. Um, uh-huh. And uh, they're shapeshifters. And so they can kind of disguise themselves as people and stuff. And, and there's a war going on between these two races. And it sort of takes off from there. But she's kind of finding out who she is and where she fits into things throughout the movie. Um, and that part's done pretty well. And I would love to like say the movie's a lot better just because of that. Cause having a good plot to me is the most important part. And it, maybe it's not, maybe it's not a great plot, but they happen to do it really well. The pacing and the, the way it's laid out really works. Um, Brie Larson, who plays Captain Marvel is hit and miss throughout the movie. Um, there are some moments where I really like her and she's got, she's got really good facial acting. Um, she does responses to things that are really good. And there are a couple jokey moments throughout the movie that land for me. And they're kind of quiet things, just like brief. We're not going to call a ton of attention to this joke. We're just going to have it and keep moving, but it, it's funny. Um, and one of the ones with her that's early on is just her responding to something, uh, I won't say exactly what, but it's kind of like someone does something towards her and then she does it right back and it's funny and you don't expect uh-huh. it. Um, but then there are other things where her delivery is very flat, um, particularly when she's saying something that's meant to sound tough and it just it doesn't quite work. I mean, the, the character's tough and, and the rest of the time it's fine and she comes off that way. She She has a little bit of a a little bit of a Han Solo feel to her. Not like that terrible movie Solo that should just never have been made, but like, you know, real Han Solo. She's got a smirk that works. Um, uh-huh. or, you know, that thing that, that crosses over from um, Han Solo to like Indiana Jones. Um, yeah. So basically Harrison Ford. Brie Larson is part Harrison Ford. Um, but that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. But there are moments where otherwise you're like, whoa, that would, did, Maybe she had a bad day, <laughs> you know, like maybe the day that they were shooting this scene, she ate something that wasn't great and her tummy was upset. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, she and, and uh, Samuel Jackson have good chemistry um, and and it's not a romantic chemistry or anything. Uh, although there are moments where you're like, if this starts turning into flirting, I could kind of see it happening. Um, and they do a really really good job of um de-aging samuel jackson um, yeah he he looks great um so the two of them together they're they're a lot of fun when they're interacting with each other it, they seem to, it it almost feels like even though the characters are new to each other it almost feels like brie larson and 
Sam Jackson, like are good friends outside of this. Like they, like they've been working together for a long time or something. They have a sort of casual liking each other that, that I really enjoyed. Um, she also has a friend who I can't remember the character's name, but the actress name is Lashana Lynch. Um, who she's sort of discovering throughout the movie. Um, they, there are reasons that she doesn't quite know who she is at first. Um, but they reconnect and, um, she's good. The actress Lashana Lynch is good. And the two of them seem pretty good together too. And Annette Bening is in this movie. Really? And yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I used to have a thing for Annette Bening and uh-huh. I also used to think she was a really good actress and, uh, she is terrible. She's God awful <laughs> in this movie. I, I, I don't know if it's. If it's the way it's been directed or or what. But the scenes with her, I'm just like, oh, this is cringy. Um So yeah, and the and the bad guy, and now I'm forgetting the name of the guy who plays him, but um this uh scr- scroll scroll guy um is actually really funny. There are a lot of great moments with him and and that's kind of nice because you're kind of walking into it with there being this tension and it being a uh, you know, evildoer or whatever. And then the way he responds to a couple things, you're like, Oh, that's really pretty funny. And I find myself kind of liking this guy. Um, although for some reason he has like a, a weird lisp. Um, and I don't think it's that the actor actually has a lisp. It, it seems like it's has something to do with the, um, like the makeup and the way his face is done. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost like if you were wearing a mask and it caused some sort of distortion to your speaking, um, and that doesn't seem like that should be a thing in 2019. Like yeah, a lot of this is probably done with CGI anyway. Why would you have, why would you have that? Um, yeah. the direction or the directing in this movie is just awful. Um, it, the pacing and stuff must be done through the script because when it comes to, especially when it comes to the action, there's, I don't understand the way that this was cut, like the editing and the directing and all the action scenes, or at least most of the action scenes. It's just terrible. Like you cut away while they're in the middle of fighting to other things for no reason and cut back and not in a way that kind of leaves you on like a, with a little cliffhanger. And then you come mm-hmm. back and you get to see how it's resolving. It's just like, Oh, here I am seeing this. Wait, what? Now we're over there. Why? Why? Okay. Um, and there's terrible use of music in these fighting scenes too. Um, I, there's a song. I don't want to spoil, I guess what it is. I was going to name the band, but I feel like it would probably be pretty spoily if, even if I did, um, okay. one where they're like, Hey, we're going to play this song. Cause this is happening right now. And you're like, this might work if this wasn't directed so terribly. The, the the choreography of fighting is boring. It's just it's as if someone said, "You're gonna have a lot of people fighting here, um, or you're gonna have her fighting and doing really cool stuff." But I want you to make it as unemotional and boring as possible. Oh, and okay. they did, and it it's 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 weird. It's it's just really weird. It's almost kind of interesting in just how weird it is. Um, there's a fun cat in this movie. 
And uh, yeah, I, you know, you listen to we, <laughs> you you listen to the We Hate Movies podcast, right? Yeah. You know how sometimes they refer to things as hangover movies? Yeah. This is a hangover movie. Okay. Like, it would be great to have on just while you're feeling crappy and not really paying much attention um, and just kind of chilling out. And so, I, if you like any of these superhero movies, I recommend seeing it. I I wouldn't say it's great. I'm not going to say it even matches up with half of the Marvel stuff. Um, but you know, if, if you're enjoying them, I think you'll probably enjoy it. And I guess more than anything, I'm curious to see what people actually do have to say about it now. Cause it seems so middle of the road to me that I, I can't understand people just like, it's, it's hard to imagine people just like really loving it or really hating it. Right. Okay. Well, I can't yeah. wait to see it. I might see it later today or next week. So we'll be able to talk more about it then. Cool. Well, then that brings us to our super popular segment on the show, our movie rankings list, where we take the movies we've seen and have to rank them against the other movies we've seen this year going back into December. So Matt, what did you talk about first today? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, let's see, first, I think I talked about, uh, you know what, tell you what, I'll just go from top to bottom again. And okay. tell you where I put things because I already put them in place. So okay. I put the changeling between as above, so below, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. Let's see. Come on. Uh, change. And changeling is spelled with an E, I found out. Oh. Well, I Week spelled one, that wrong in my phone. Oh, six. And then how many stars would you give it? Um, this is out of a five star system, right? Right. With half stars. Um, I think I'd give it four, four stars. Yeah. Okay. I'm giving it more stars than I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then if you go down a couple slots, I'm going to put Captain Marvel between Pie Wacket and life after Beth. And so the number, what's that number 13 spot. And I'm going to give that, oh man, if it was a letter grade, I'd definitely give it a C plus. Um, so I guess that's two and a half stars. That feels right. Two and a half stars. 2.5 stars. Okay. And then I am going to, and actually I feel like I walked out of that, um, Captain Marvel enjoying it less than I do having had a few hours away from it. So I don't know, maybe my opinion of it will change a little bit over time. Mm-hmm. All right, so between Fire Fraud and Vice, I'm going to put Fire, the greatest party that never happened. That's going to take a while to write. <laughs> F-R-Y-E, Fire, or the greatest... F-Y-R-E. F-Y-R-E? Yeah, Fire, not Fry. <laughs> oh, it just auto-corrected to Fire. Uh, Whatever. Good. The greatest... All right, I'm just going to write the greats. <laughs> there you go. Uh, week 106, and how many stars? Three. Three No, stars. I'm going to give it two and a half, too. 2.5 stars. Okay. And then between Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and Bird Box, I will place Dragons 3, or How to Train Your Dragon 3. Dragon 3, week 106. And how many stars? Two and a half. 
two and a half stars. Okay. And then? That, that was it. Those are all the movies you watched? I think so. Yeah, I saw four. Four? Okay. All right. Then uh, my turn. I watched... What the hell did I talk about this week? I talked about A Year in Space, which I'm going to put below Mission Control, the unsung heroes of Apollo, uh, into the new 26 spot. And I'm going to give that two and a half stars. Two and a half stars. And then I talked about The Grinch. I'm going to put above Venom and below Reign of the Supermen into the new 31 spot. And I'm going to give that two and a half stars as well. And then finally, I saw Hunter, which I'm going to put below After Earth and above Mortal Engines in the new 33, I'm sorry, the new 34 spot. And I'm going to give that one and a half stars. I hope the people from Mortal Engines can feel that one. (laughs) Uh, I had a lot of fun watching Hunter. It, it, It was fun to make fun of while I was watching it. So Mortal Engines was not fun. Yeah. So good for Hunter. I mean, it's I give I'm giving it one and a half stars, but uh, it, it's a fun it's a fun movie to to make fun of. Cool. So, and uh, that's our that's our list. If you'd like to see our list and or comment or whatever about it, you can find it. Go to thisweekinfilm.com. At the top, you can find a link, or on the side, you can find a link to our Letterboxd page where we're where we're updating the list as we go along. You can also find a link to our Patreon page where you can sponsor your own corner of the show, much like Mike S. did with sponsoring the How to Train Your Dragon corner. Matt, anything to plug? I do not have anything to plug this week. Okay, great. Well, if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Thanks for listening.